0: Welcome to founders first a show about mental health in entrepreneurship and how to build resilience to stay stronger happier and be more successful you can engage more in the conversation by going to the app store on your phone and searching founders first community our guest today is an expert in the field of human influence having collected over three decades of analysis on what drives human behavior he also has over 20 years of experience leading Fortune 500 companies and is the founder of People Success Labs and People Success Formula based out of Kansas City. He shares his gifts by coaching leaders and through leading multiple nonprofit organizations himself, and he's here to share some of his amazing experience with us today. Our guest is Dr. Charlie Cartwright. So let me kick this off, Dr. Charlie. As you know, we now have almost a thousand members in the Founders First community, all entrepreneurs from different backgrounds, different stages of their entrepreneurial journeys. But one of the things that resonates most across all of our membership is hearing about the journey of those entrepreneurs who've successfully taken the leap into entrepreneurship and have become influential voices for the rest of us. So we'd love to hear about your own journey. Can you... Tell us about what you learned during your time in corporate America that inspired you to start People Success Labs, and what was the people problem that you saw which you felt like needed to be addressed?
1: Yes, great question. So in my years in corporate America, I think that there was an element missing just of the human side of the equation. It was all about, hey, this client, this service, this product, and the people were always being skipped right over, actually looking past right? Always looking past, always looking past. And there's something that I always tease leaders about all over the country. And I say it like this. I say leaders all over the, the country are, are, are walking past Clark Kent every day looking for Superman. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Superman's right beneath their noses. And so I saw an opportunity to really help people and organizations connect better personally and professionally and any time that we address that people equation in a positive way positive outcomes are the byproduct Mm -hmm. and so that that was my mission and the other thing i'd always say to leaders is many there's many fathers out there and i'm a father as well and what fathers can tell you is that they have had a son there's a certain age range where that son believes their dad can do anything, right? They think their dad's Superman and they watch the Olympics. Oh, my dad's faster than him. Oh, my dad could lift that. Mm-hmm. And when people aren't treated well at work, specifically, let's say a father, it's hard for that father then to go home and be Superman to his, his kid, to be Superman mm-hmm. to his family. Yeah. And so by default, if we are, creating a hostile work experience for our people, then by default, we're actually damaging the, the family unit because those yeah. children are looking going, what's wrong with dad? Yeah. So it's it's just a vital importance. And <clears throat> I think when we create a greater, better work environment, we actually create uh, a greater quality of life for our people and the people that they interact with every day.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a really comprehensive and 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 really a modern take on how we think about our role as leaders at the top of companies, at the top or middle, anyone who leads people inside of an organization, right? I think, you know, it wasn't, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years ago when it was, you know, the corporation was about just bringing people in and churning them out and just finding more people. And like, you know, I, I always still get a kick out of the fact that, you know, human resources, like is a term we're all used to saying, but it's like kind of a pretty mean sounding concept, right? It sounds like part of a machine when when we think about it from that standpoint. True. Right? <clears throat> Very true. Yeah. It kind of doesn't doesn't give credit to all the humans and the people and the lives and then and then that secondary impact underneath it, right? All the people that that they influence and it's families and it's also organizations and their communities and Just just thinking about your background and your resume, the number of organizations you're involved in, as well as the people inside of those and and then their families, it starts to be really interesting. You think about the influence that one leader can have. You have a team of eight people underneath you. You might actually be influencing 300 people instead.
1: 100%. Yeah, the ripple effect is massive. And what I've learned since COVID with this global community, those ripples actually circle the globe. Mm. And it's incredible when you think about that, that the impact one leader can have, not just on an organization, but on a community and then even a certain impact worldwide. And so that's that's a big responsibility, but it gives me goosebumps because it's exciting as well. <clears throat> yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's it's one of the things I've seen entrepreneurs in recent years both thrive in because they can have impact and influence into their communities through this force of people. Um, and then also, I think, drive a lot of concern for a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of pressure and a lot of stress when they realize that, you know, the not making payroll in three months when we run out of cash means that a family might have to scramble for money to put food on the table, right? Um, and and that can be both a uh, both powerful uh, reality and both a scary reality. Um, one of the things we talk a lot about at Founders First is this importance of having meaningful connections with other people around us. Um, We sometimes call it having a tribe that understands you or that understands your goals and that you turn to for support or wisdom to get through big personal challenges. You've got a quote I'd like to share with our members. And it's this, the common denominator in practically every meaningful challenge in life is people. Once you understand what motivates and drives people, the possibilities for achievement are endless. So I'd like to ask, how important is it that we have a tribe? We're, we're talking about tribe. We're talking about impact and influence. And how do we learn to have a deeper understanding of each other that will help us achieve health and happiness in our own personal lives outside of work?
1: Another fantastic question. And that's that's right. That's If it's not the top, it's right near the top for an entrepreneur. But not just an entrepreneur. Anyone in life, your tribe is so huge. And I want to define that a little more in that mm-hmm. I always talk about your inner circle, kind of like this dinner table. Mm-hmm. And you notice you only have so many seats at that dinner table, mm. okay? And so it's vital that we have the right people in those seats. And because if we don't, <clears throat> there are people that want to come and sit down with us, but they can't because the, the seat's taken, mm. okay? And that inner circle has such an impact on us from a mental health standpoint, from a professional standpoint. So it's so important that it's nurturing and that there's, reciprocation across Mm -hmm. ways not just a one-way relationship a friend of mine we recently that's in my inner circle we had a conversation one day and he said charlie i have seven brothers and i'm closer to you than all seven of my brothers Mm. he said i can be broken down in the middle of wisconsin and i can call you in the middle of the night and i know you're coming Mm -hmm. you're coming and that's just so important that we have that backstop In that we can be open and honest about our feelings or our struggles, but also they can be open and honest with us and we can get and receive open and honest feedback. Because sometimes we need people to tell us, hey, you're wrong or hey, you need to relook at this or hey, you're missing this. And it's always kind of like a cold boosh in the, you know, you know, bucket of water in your face. But that's so needed to correct your course right? To correct your path because it's kind of like taking a wrong turn and you're driving down to a certain destination. You take a wrong turn. Well, the quicker you get back on track, the quicker you're going to get to your destination. But if you get down that road miles or hours or days or weeks, now you've got to come all the way back. And so that tribe can help keep you on track. And I think it's so vital that we make a priority of that.
0: Yeah. We had this story come up yesterday in, um, our Peak Ability group at Founders First. So entrepreneurs, it's an accountability group that meets once a week among our our premium members. And he shared a story about learning to ski um, from one of the skiing greats, mogul skier great Johnny Mosley. And and he uh, apparently asked Johnny Mosley, which is incredible. I'm like, I want to hang out with Johnny Mosley. Apparently he asked Johnny Mosley, um, like, what do you do when you're skiing really fast and your weight shifts back too far? You know, and they call it, you know, into the back seat right on, on the back of your skis and you're getting out of control. Tips are up in the air and, you know, you're losing, losing control. Um, how do you get it back forward? And, and Johnny said, you can't. You have to stop and then you can start again. And I think that speaks directly to your analogy as well here, which is that when you're on the wrong path, like going faster when you've made a wrong turn is not the answer. But, but it feels like it so often, right? Like I just need to work harder or I need to grind harder or, you know, where does that come from? Why do we always feel like faster is better when you've just made the same point here, right? Sometimes we need to stop, turn around and get on the right path. That's the answer, right?
1: Yeah. And sometimes it's, Stepping back in that self-reflection, and you're you're not actually moving. You're you're gathering your 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 data. You're gathering your information, feedback, everything to say. Okay, because I know when I get lost, I pull over. I don't just keep driving, right? You pull, you know, find a safe place to pull over and pull over and get yeah. it figured out. And that is always the best play. And somewhere in our society, we got this notion that go faster, go harder, go faster, go harder. And to your point, you are going faster and harder in the wrong direction. Is mm-hmm. you know, you're digging a deeper hole, basically. And yeah. if you're digging in the wrong direction, you need to stop and then get out of that hole and go on to where you really need to be. So that's that's a great point. I love that skiing analogy though.
0: Yeah, it was a great story. It just came up yesterday. It also reminds me of like being a kid and. <laughs> Boy Scouts and learn, learning about, you know, orienteering and safety in the woods. And the first rule when you're lost is to stop, right? It's because people will come search for you and they'll find you. But if you're wandering around in a circle, they might be too and you'll never find each other. And it's just so exactly so clear in these other analogies, but often in our professional lives, it's so easy to get, get buried in all that dirt when we're digging the hole. Yeah. yeah. So we're talking about the importance of, of connections here, right? People, those seats at the dinner table, these, these connections that we've chosen in our lives. Um, and how important those connections are amidst the stress and the challenges that entrepreneurs normally face. Um, but of course, I, we've got to talk about it here the elephant in the room uh, in any one of our forums or our connections events or our workshops that we do here at Founders. First, it's COVID, obviously. Many of us have felt entirely upended both professionally and personally for the past year. Um, and of course, the psychological effects of a whole host of impacts can sometimes feel overwhelming. And, and I think I've felt this a lot in the last three months, like the first six months of COVID, I, as an introvert, I was kind of like, this is great. I don't have to see that many people anymore. And then by month seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, it's kind of like, man, I feel I feel a little tired. I feel a little slow. I feel like my passion's fallen a little bit. Like I feel like there's a little bit of depression sort of setting in because this has just been a long journey. So during this crisis, what, what advice do you give your clients about getting through these, all these overlapping challenges right now? How do we meaningfully connect in this time when it's so hard to do, but we, we honestly, we need it more than ever right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, here's the thing about it is we're all, we've all been dropped into the bear cage, right? We've all been dropped into the bear cage. I have a show that I do on Fridays. It's an internet radio show and my partner, Dr. Deb Carlin, she's a clinical psychologist and she's talking to me and she says, Dr. Charlie, I'm a clinical psychologist. I've been doing this for 25 years. I've read all the books. I teach people. I've got skills and I've struggled. Mm-hmm. So What does that say for people that don't have my skill set when it comes to mental health and dealing with all these challenges? And I was like, wow, so right. And so it's one of these things to where we've got to make a decision. We have to decide. So, and I just use the analogy of a bear cage. You've been dropped into this bear cage. For whatever reason, you're looked up, you're in the cage. Mm -hmm. You got two choices. You can either be lunch For the bear, because if you just lay down and give up, you're going to be lunch. Mm -hmm. We can come out with a bearskin rug. Okay. (laughs) I'm coming out with the rug. And guess what? To come out with that rug, you're in the fight of your life. You're in the fight of your life. We're all in the fight of our life. We're in this wonderful time, amazing technology. We can reach all over the world, and we're in the fight of our life. So, times such as this are made for great leaders. Mm -hmm. are made for entrepreneurs. It's up to us. It's up to us. You know, uh, all these leaders from the past, you know, you think of MacArthur or Swartzkopf or Martin Luther King or Gandhi, they're not coming back. Mm -hmm. They're not coming back to save us. It's up to us. So we've got to make the decision that we're going to make it happen. I remember, and I'm sure everybody remembers this moment, you know, COVID moment. I had just delivered a keynote presentation, had a great time with my client. I was in Des Moines, Iowa. Stayed with them that Thursday night. We had dinner, mixer, everything was great. And I had this great year lined up. And by the time I got back to Kansas City, so three hour drive, 80% of my schedule was canceled. (laughs) And then the next morning, the other 20% went away. And I remember it was such a punch, a gut punch. And I said, okay. I'm going to give myself five minutes. Mm. I'm going to be sad. Then I'm going to be angry. Mm. And then I got mad. And then I got to work. I gave myself five minutes because what's the difference? Five minutes, five days, five weeks, five months. What, What? You got to get over it anyway. So I gave myself five minutes and I said, I'm not going out like this. And we've got to make that decision. And that's not, I'm not saying it's easy. And there were days where, it was really rugged right because we know as entrepreneurs there's no unemployment check yeah. coming right so <laughs> and so my business is 100% client facing <laughs> yeah people are, well, didn't you go virtual i said yeah i went virtual like the first week of the lockdown but my clients didn't <laughs> okay so I'm, I'm 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 saying hey we can zoom we can have, what's zoom right <laughs> Yeah. Well, I can send you a link. Well, how do? I, Well, my people don't have laptops. Well, but they got their smartphone. Well, how does that work? I mean, it yeah. was a big paradigm shift. So uh, that's that's my advice. I mean, it's tough. I wish it was you know flowery and all these things, but we got one of two choices to make, and everyone on this call has made the correct choice. That's why they're here.
0: Yeah, I heard this story right around maybe the second or third month of the pandemic, so maybe April May of 2020 about a a music festival in Mexico where everyone, including all the entertainment and all the guests that had flown in got stuck there. And like Mexican police had taken everyone's passports because they didn't want people to travel in and out. And so the festival just kept going. It was like a weekend festival that got closed during COVID. And uh, those people basically got stuck on permanent vacation, couldn't leave the country and just had music and they were like hanging out on a beach the whole time. And uh, there's definitely been a moment where I would I would rather be at that festival than in the bear cage. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) For all the rest of us who are not stuck at that music festival that uh, may still not have ended to this day. (laughs) Um, We're we're in the bear cage. And, you know, I, I love that. Analogy, because it it forces us to think about the reality that you know maybe it isn't you know may, maybe there's a reason why we're feeling like we're struggling right now because we're in a cage and there's a bear and there's <laughs> there's bars around it right like this is not you know it might it might be easy to look out at the environment right now and say maybe it should be easy or maybe I should be handling this better but um, that self awareness to say you know this is a really tough time th- things are really different. Um, things that I used to be able to count on maybe aren't there anymore. I'm sure maybe there's some new opportunities that exist as well. We all should have bought uh, stock in Zoom in February 2020. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wish I had. Um, but but for the most part, a lot of the things in our safety nets and things that we used to rely on aren't there anymore. So I want to touch on the importance of self-care here. It's a topic that's big for both of us and Um, I love that before this discussion you brought up the safety briefing you get on an airplane when they tell you in the event of an emergency secure your own oxygen mask before helping others they say it in a very robotic voice unless you're on Southwest. So our members will tell you that I bring this up a lot myself I love this model as well. Um, I haven't heard about it actually this morning. I did a, a Peloton ride on uh, on my Peloton bike this morning, and Kendall Toole said, um, help yourself now in the way that you want to be able to help others, which is very similar. And I, I just love this model, right? If we don't help ourselves in that same way, then we're not going to have the resources to, to help others. So one of the things you often talk about is how we can't realize our full potential if we don't take care of ourselves first. You mentioned that you have three priorities or a three priorities exercise you conduct with leaders. Can you tell us about the three priorities, what you've learned, and and maybe how important it is that we change the habits we all fall into if we want to reach our full potential both for ourselves and and those who depend on us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I always love to start off leadership training with these three priorities. I pass out three by five cards and I said, hey, personally or professionally, I want your top three priorities. Don't put your name on it. Write them down and pass them forward. And so I get them and I gather them and I and I and I and I gather them up and I start reading them off. And you know, usually faith, family, sometimes career, children, spouse, those are always common. Mm-hmm. But not one time in all the years I've been doing it, over a decade now that anyone has said myself. Hey. No one makes themselves a prior one of their top three even. <laughs> but the reality is we've got to be number one, and here's why. I remember going through first responder training years ago, the first time I'd ever went through it and I wasn't too happy. I was working at FedEx at the time and they made us come in on our day off to go through it. And it was all day. I wasn't too happy, but I remember thinking to myself, Hey, you know, I'm here all day. I'm going to get something out of this and make sure that I can help someone. Mm-hmm. And I just never forget the, the instructor. He walked, he starts the class, he walks to the front of the room and he spun around and he said, the rule number one, do not become part of the problem. Rule number one. He said, so if you see, you come up on an accident scene, there's two people down and you rush in to help out without being cognizant and aware of the environment and whatever got them got you. Now there's three people down. Not only have you become a part of the problem, you've made the problem bigger.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So as leaders, entrepreneurs, we've got to remember that to take care of ourselves. So now we can help other people. And it's such a fundamental thing. And it's not, self-care is not selfish. And so I can be a better father. I can be a better partner. I can be a better brother. I can be a better son. I can be a better member of the community if I'm fully healthy and aware and available, right. To help. And I, I, recently lost a cousin. We were like brothers growing up and recently lost them. And, you know, I went to the funeral, the eulogy. It's obvious that he was a great dad, mm. which I'm really proud of him. And it's obvious that he had a wonderful relationship with his wife. Having said all that, he didn't take very good care of his health. Mm. And so it doesn't matter if are a nice guy <laughs> or a nice person or a nice woman. If we're not taking care of our physical health, then there's an opportunity That could occur that we could be taken before our time. Now, who are we helping? Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, those children need their dad.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: He's not here. His wife needs her husband. He's not here. Mm -hmm. So it's very real that we take it seriously. And then that opens up all the opportunities when we're hitting on all cylinders that we can help and assist those that really need us. Mm
0: -hmm. There's something in that around playing kind of a more sustainable game and playing for the long game, right? I think so many entrepreneurs, it's easy to just look at the challenge right in front of us and say, like, I'm willing to accept nothing less than the best I can absolutely do in this moment without any sight to, like, how I might perform tomorrow or how badly I might show up into next Tuesday if if I push myself so far. What What is that about? Is that human nature that we that we just look at what's in in front of us? I mean, that's what you're talking about with this with this relative right is like it was you know there was some there was some trade-off being made in the short term right
1: exactly and that's like you said the short-sightedness and and that's something that you know i've learned that as an adult later in life to play the long game and but early and younger play the short game but if we're not constantly updating our knowledge and and, and feeding our mind with information to expand it, then those things may never come into our consciousness. Yeah. But because I continue to feed myself, oh, wait, this is important. That's mm-hmm. true. Because, you know, I've got a, I've got a hundred year plan mm-hmm. you know, that I'm 56 years into. So I got 44 years left, but those 44 years can be cut short if I don't do the right things. And so and my so my plan is for that and that's my game, but I didn't come up with that plan. Unfortunately, when I was in my twenties, as much later in life, I'd say, Hey, here's my plan here. And so we do have to play the long game and understand that every move, every activity or lack thereof is going to be consequential, Mm -hmm. either positive or negative. So, Hey, why not stack the odds in our favor? Why not do things intentionally that we know are going to, have positive consequences to them, especially when it comes to our physical health and our mental health, because the two are tied together. They're okay. tied together.
0: You know, one of the most acute things I can think of is, you know, entrepreneurs in the moment, they've raised money from investors. The investors want returns. They want returns faster, bigger, you know, as much speed and pressure as they can possibly get. And I I heard a story from an entrepreneur a couple of years ago who had had not successfully returned capital to his investors and the company went out of business. And he sat down for the dreaded meeting with the investors post everything falling apart. And the in, in, you know, in the moment going through this, he's, of course, assuming like, this is going to be the worst thing ever. I've let these people down. This is a tragedy. You know, I have to put everything, everything into not in making sure this doesn't go this way. And he sits down with the investor after everything falls apart and the money's gone. There's no dollars coming back to this investor or his fund from, from this entrepreneur's company. And the investor goes, you know what? Don't worry about it. Like, you know, sometimes it doesn't go well. Um, What are you going to do next? I want to invest in that. (laughs) The investor could see that this was a long game. The entrepreneur was thinking about it as a short game. and, And often we're so scared of like letting other people down or letting our investors down when in reality, maybe they have perspective sometimes to help us that, you know what, like entrepreneurship can be a long game. This can be a career as an entrepreneur. That's how the VC thought about it. Hey, you're brilliant. Like, sorry, this one didn't work out. What are you going to do next? I I want in on that one, right? Uh, It's really 180 based on on what reality might've felt like in the moment. That's an
1: awesome story. I love that. It's so true. It's so true because the reality is, you know, failure is not the opposite of success. It's a part of it. Mm. Okay. And it's a prerequisite to success, frankly. I mean, I don't care what it is. Even when we learn to walk as children, fail, 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 fall, 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 then all of a sudden we're walking, right? Mm -hmm. We would never learn to walk without all that falling. Yeah. And running and name it, skiing. You You don't just take off, right? Roller skates. I got a pair of roller skates for a birthday, put them on my feet. I went down three times hard on the concrete, Never skated again. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so uh I didn't pay that price of failure to get to the success. So that's the lesson I've always remembered from my childhood.
0: That's that that really stands out to me. That's really powerful. So failure is not the opposite. Let me see if I get this right. Failure is not the opposite of success, it's part of success. Wow. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. So I love we we have so many similar themes that we both talk about, which I which I love the connection here. Um, another one is this idea that the variable we can control, what we can control versus what we can not control. As entrepreneurs, there's so much that we can't control, but the thing we can control, of course, is back to this the self side, right? We can control ourselves, um, especially by developing habits that move us down a path towards better mental health. You talk about maximizing our mental health towards greater success. I'd like to ask what what tools have you used or have you shared with your clients to help them escape the downward spiral that we can also easily fall into if we're not actively changing them? What would you say has, has had the greatest impact?
1: Yeah. So here, here's an interesting thing. I recently read this and it was brilliant and it was a, it was a dietitian and someone asked her, what's the best diet to, to be on? And she said, the one that works for you and that you'll stick with, right? Whatever that is. And we're, cause we're all different. you right. We're all different. So for me, I, and I've had the unfortunate experience of having the, the wheels fall off. Mm-hmm. I remember getting up to hundred I can tell you, I can't work a hundred hours a week. The wheels fall off and the thing crashed and burned. It was bad. So, but I can eat up 80 hours a week. No problem. Mm-hmm. But get above 80, wheels start wobbling. <laughs> right. And, 100 hours sustained, I I crashed and burned. Well, the good news is from that crash, I know the signs. I can tell the shifts in my physical being and my attitude that it's time to turn the laptop off tonight, Mm. right? It's time to stand up. And it's funny because I'll I'll tell people that, you know, if I'm having a bad day, I go to the bookstore, Mm. okay? Find something, right? If I sell when I celebrate, I go to the bookstore and have a great symbol. Oh, I'm going to book because this closes deal. And yes, you know, I'm get the one with the gold embossed pages, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it gives me a, a lift. I remember I remember. uh one of my friends telling me one of his, his tricks was, he says, I have these packages of brand new socks and brand new undergarments. You know, so I got brand new undershirts, brand new underwear, brand new socks. And he said, it just makes me feel good to pull them out of the package and put them on. <laughs> and so there's all these things like this, all these little strategies to kind of snap your mind, you know, to kind of get your mindset shifted. Yeah. Uh, I love to get out for walks. I'm a video. I grew up in the 80s. So Pac-Man and all that. So I will get on the I will get on the Xbox and play some games, <laughs> even though I know the people are 20. Half my age It's fine. Let's, get, <laughs> let's, let's play. And it just it's, my brain can totally shift. And then I feel energized and I can come back and and do and do my work. Um, And then the reading. That one's big because there's so much noise and negativity that in order to drown that out, we've got to dilute it with positivity. And I don't spend any time on the news and things like that. So I don't put those things in and then i'm constantly feeding my mind new information and it keeps it interested and boosted right yep. and so it doesn't have and our brains the great thing about our brains is that there is limited bandwidth okay mm-hmm. well if i'm filling it up with positivity with plans for the future with interesting tasks it has no it has no capacity to deal with this other stuff it just leaves it right mm-hmm. And then one of my, it's kind of a nerdy thing, but every night before I go to bed, I turn on the Andy Griffith show reruns and I watch an episode for 30 minutes because I laugh out loud. It's black and white. It's clean. That's what I go to bed on. I didn't watch an episode of Dexter or the movie Alien or any of the news. I left, I went to sleep on some positivity. Yeah. And then when I wake up, I wake up with some positivity in that I've got an audio book while I'm shaving and stretching and doing all these things. So mm-hmm. there's all these different tools in the kit and I just use the one that feels like this is what I need right now.
0: I love that. So real, a real sort of priming routine in the morning and then also preparation in the evening for the mind state that you want to get to. And I love that point about the, you know, that luckily the mind does have limited bandwidth and if we just keep filling it with, the right sort of stuff that we want to put in there. It just doesn't have space for the, exactly. <laughs> the, the local news disaster or whatever else is going on. Yeah. And, and I'm like you in that um, I consume very little news and I sometimes feel guilty about it because I feel like sometimes like I'm an uninformed citizen, um, yet also the flip side of it, I benefit so much from not having that constant assault of information. So I try and Find this kind of use my own like friend circle in the real world as a filter. If it's really important, they'll tell me about it. <laughs> they'll make right. sure that I know that COVID's coming. You know, but if uh, it's just something you know terrible that has happened, you know that I don't know to small uh, whatever right. So it's like not I don't need to be filtered with that all of the time. I think that's a really interesting way to think about it.
1: Hundred percent. And then a lot of those things on the news are beyond our control. Yeah. And so I'm controlling what I can control. And really making sure that I make an impact on the people that I come in contact with every day. And so that's my way to change the world in my small way and a positive, because as we talked spoke about earlier, there's a ripple to that. Yeah. Right. There's a ripple that, Hey, 2000 people can consume my content today Then who they talk to about it. Yeah. And, and then that, and then that video is out there and it keeps, it keeps on giving and then I make another one and another one. And so, I don't, so that keeps me from feeling like, hey, I'm not contributing positively to society because I know I am every okay. day. And then, of course, in my community involvement and in those services as well. So, you know, I've picked my my areas where I, I can contribute, and I'm making sure I do that on a on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, yeah. I watched absolutely the wrong thing before I went to bed last night. I started this thing on Hulu called something about mountain life, and I thought oh, it would be some beautiful nature scenes in the mountains. I love mountains and the outdoor. And uh, the first story was about this guy's firsthand experience of getting buried fifteen feet deep in an avalanche, <laughs> yeah. suffocating to death, and then being revived. And I'm just like, pulling the covers up, going, "Oh god," <laughs> <laughs> that, that went the wrong direction. But I, I love the strategic thinking around how to put the right stuff in in the mind before we before we try and shut it down. At the end of the day. So to our guests, uh, I've got a couple more questions for Dr. Charlie here. So if you've got a question, drop it in chat now. Now is the time. We'll pick those up as we are a couple minutes um, near the end here in a few. So Dr. Charlie, you talk a lot about the importance of love and respect, which I think are certainly on the love side, a topic maybe we don't hear a lot about in, in business leadership and in entrepreneurship. Um, but they're two of the most basic human needs um and they get kind of lost in an overcomplicated society that teaches us to seek overcomplicated solutions i was thinking this morning about uh, watching my as clearing snow off my car with a Specialty purpose, like snow brush, to remove snow off the car. And my neighbor had a big push broom, like you know the high school janitor would have. (laughs) And I was going, I bet I paid forty dollars for this stupid thing. It's half the size, and it's an (laughs) overcomplicated specialty purpose thing that does nothing clear with the push, nothing near what the push broom does. So, great example of that. (laughs) You've you've got some some great observations about the need for love and respect, both in leadership and for personal growth. So, I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about what you've learned about love and respect and how you feel this understanding has contributed to your success.
1: So amazing. And love and respect are a couple of the really key components of the people's success formula. And I was just amazed at the research that's out there, you know, first we, we go with respect. There's a group, it's called the Mercer Group, and they went to 22 nations, all four hemispheres, wanting to know the top 10 things that are most important to employees.
0: Hmm.
1: And as you imagine... You know, money was always in the top 10, but it never finished higher than number eight. But what shocked me was number one was universal. China, Africa, Germany, Brazil, UK, Canada, South America, Australia. It was respect. Hmm. So people want to be respected. But what happens as entrepreneurs is we're busy respecting other people, but we're not respecting ourselves. Yeah. You know, we're not respecting our journey. We're not respecting the fact that, hey, this is difficult. It's okay that you have some fears right now. It's okay that you're struggling. It's tough. Right. And we need to respect our journey. And then when we do make a mistake, we need to respect ourselves and give ourselves that respect that, hey, it's all right. We're going to learn and grow. We either win or we learn. We're not going to lose. And so that's huge. And then the most amazing, I think, piece of research that I've come across in the last several years was the research on love, hmm. and that was from the University of North Carolina, right? So I know you you'll appreciate Hill, that, Hill, Hill, Hill. <laughs> Their alma mater. And they conducted a I want to believe I want to say it was a fifteen year study on love and its impact on human beings. Hmm. And what they found is that uh, love impacts everything people think, feel, do, and become. That's all. <laughs> you know, just everything people think,
0: feel, do, and become. Just those categories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: To, to your point, you don't hear it in business. And I'm not talking about romantic love. I'm talking about uh, an unselfish care and concern for the well being of another human being. Yeah. So that's huge. And your, your leaders that are heart centered, they're doing that, right? But then we ask the question are you doing that for yourself? Are you loving yourself? Do you treat yourself lovingly? And now ask entrepreneurs and leaders about this all the time. Your self-talk, what you're saying to yourself about yourself. If you said that to your friends, would you have any? <laughs> right? Because people are brutal on themselves. They'd never say that. To, oh, no, I'd never treat my friends that way. Well, why do you treat yourself that way? Yeah. So and here's a, here's a, I'm telling you, this is an unusually challenging exercise, And someone asked me to do it one time and I thought it would be easy. Oh no. Look in the mirror. Look yourself in the eye and say, I love you. Ooh, it was rugged. It was uncomfortable. But that showed me that, wow, there's an opportunity for growth here because self-love is a part of Mm self-care. Because if I love myself, then it's much, much, much easier for me to love my fellow man. Yeah other human beings but that starts here and then goes out yeah that's incredible and if our love for humanity doesn't include us and our love is incomplete
0: so i hope people are letting that that really settle in because i think that is absolutely so true and I will find the nearest mirror after the session. <laughs> There's one back there, but I'm not going to do it now because I don't want everybody to watch me struggle. <laughs> but I hear Yeah. It. That's a really interesting, really interesting way to think about it. And I love that point. If, you, if the voices in your head, the things that you tell yourself were things that you actually told your friends, would you have any? <laughs> so that one's really interesting, too. Thank yeah. you for both of those. You bet. So I've heard you talk about the many benefits of giving back, which – you so clearly do in your own life, um, represented in your introduction today with all of these organizations you've started or you're involved in. Um, And you've also talked about the effect that this has on self-esteem, our notion of purpose um, and even mental wellness. You've said that we may not even know how far our positive impact can go, that ripple effect, once we develop the habit of sharing our knowledge and our gifts with others. So... As my last question for you, I'd like to ask, is giving back something that is separate and aside from work, you go to work and then you get back, or have there been times where you've advised your clients they should find something to be involved in, or if they did, were there particular outcomes you observed?
1: Wow, it's so amazing that I feel like for me, who I am is who I am, whether I'm at work, whether I'm at walmart or target or in a movie theater i want to be the same guy all the time and so to me there's no separation i giving and sometimes i'm giving when i'm at work and other times i'm giving when i'm off the clock right mm-hmm. figuratively and it's so beneficial i remember talking to some of my clients about selfie with the soldier and then getting a call saying hey we want to get involved mm-hmm. and you know, we were looking for a needy, a needy veteran. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it, I was shocked because I learned. <clears throat> and needy veterans don't want to be found. Mm. So it's really hard to find them. And then to get them to come to an event, <clears throat> we had to trick the guy. And my client said, hey, we've been trying to honor a veteran on Veterans Day for four years. And he it's, it's like, They don't, it's like, you know, going to the movies to see Godzilla and Godzilla doesn't show up. People are like, (laughs) you know, I came to see Godzilla. Well, So if you could, Dr. Charlie, if you could find one and get him here, it'd be awesome in concert with Selfie Soldier. So I was surprised at how hard it was to find. And then when we found the gentleman, (laughs) you know, I I mean, we had to trick him. He didn't want to come. And so his mom said, well, hey, you were going back to school. And so they found out about it. They want to give you 500 bucks to go back to school and, he, and you need the money. Mm-hmm. He said, well, you're right, okay. So he came and uh, <clears throat> it was so cool that the 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 organization of Smithfield Foods mm-hmm. and they honored him and then they gave him a check for uh, $2,500. Oh, wow. Okay, and they honored his mother too because she you know, he was suffering from PTSD and, you know, she'd exhausted all her financial resources. They gave her $2,000 and said, hey, go do something nice for yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, <clears throat> you know, then they said, well, hey, um, they gave him these keys. And outside was a brand new uh, Ford Fusion loaded. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just, that guy came off the stage and hugged me. I I wish everyone could feel what that felt like. Mm. I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. And, you know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a fan of war at all, but I believe when the veterans come back, we should support them. Mm -hmm. And his mom told me that that was a moment in his life because he was driving a car that was 300,000 miles, a rust bucket, and it was just dangerous. He wouldn't even take his daughter in the car because it was dangerous. (sighs) And she said it just gave him a sense of pride and uh, he was able to really get on course. And I remember he said, he was blown away and he said, I really appreciate this. And he said, I will earn this, is what he said. (laughs) And last I've known, that's what he's doing. And so I know it did a lot for him, but it just, it changed me Mm -hmm. in a positive way. And I just wish everyone could feel what that feels like to give without wanting return and to see the look on his face. Mm -hmm. There are no words. Um. So being able to do that here and there, you know, if we help one person, our life meant something. Yeah. But if we had two or three or five or ten or hundred or a thousand, wow. So that's my message to my clients. And, and I've blessed with a lot of folks that are big-hearted and giving and committed to making the world a better place. Because this is a global community, right? Yep. And uh, we're all in this together, and and uh, so that, that that's what I that's how I'd answer that question.
0: Thank you, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, incredible, Doctor Charlie. This has been an amazing discussion. I'm so grateful. We're all so grateful for your time today and your wisdom. Um, we're going to turn to our members for a couple of questions that are in chat here. First one is uh, says great message. Um, Fear is a stepping stone to success as well. Any advice for how to recover quickly from failure?
1: Wow. So that's a great one. And, you know, failure doesn't feel good at all. However, I'm where I am today because of all the failures. Mm-hmm. And you, you keep learning. You keep growing. You keep learning. And I have this, I have this equation and it says, 242 equals 217 over no plus 25 over yes equals Starbucks. That man, does, uh, to, to, to get the money to purchase those original six Starbucks, talked to 242 prospects. 217 said no. 25 said yes. That equals over 30,000 stores now worldwide. Wow. So... We just got to keep getting up, getting smarter, and getting back in there. Get knocked down, get up, get smarter, get back in there. Love it.
0: Um, Another question here from Amanda. Entrepreneurs often lose their sense of place and social status when they strike out on their own. So leaving those big, big titles and responsibilities and respect and all that comes from the big corporate world. Respect matters a lot. How can entrepreneurs better deal with the accompanying sense of alienation or isolation that so many of us feel? That's a
1: great question. So I re- I recognized when I left UPS, a lot of my <clears throat> self-esteem and self-worth was attached to that shield mm-hmm. that said UPS. So every time I walked in as a salesperson with the UPS behind me, that was it. And when I left there, I was like, <laughs> it's just at the time it was Charlie. It wasn't even Dr. Charlie yet. <laughs> And so when we fight through that, what we do is we find ourselves and find our own value. And as an entrepreneur, when people call you, they're calling you. Mm-hmm. They're not calling UPS. They're not dialing a friend. They're calling you and the value that you uniquely bring to the world. And as entrepreneurs, we have to know that there's not a copy of us. Our unique experience, everything that we bring of value to the table is so important and the world needs us. The world needs each and every one of you and your unique gifts. And as you embrace that and release that, then that facade of a title is replaced by the realness of your humanity. And that's something that's priceless.
0: Thank you. All right, last question here. This one's from Dan. After the massive challenges we've all been through in the last year, is there a risk of following our inclination to just jump back into the old routine again? Is there a way we should reset ourselves and each other to make up for lost time before we go back to the regular grind again when things come back to normal?
1: That's so true. It, and human nature is. I mean, human nature is to go back to the routine go back to the familiar.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember going through a a retreat and it was a self-discovery retreat. And it was about leadership. That was the title of the retreat. Mm-hmm. Had I had any idea how difficult the retreat would be, I probably wouldn't have went, but it was mm-hmm. one of the best things I ever went through in my life. And I remember I had all this armor on, You know, Dr. Charlie, CEO, this, that, all this armor. And in a couple of days, they got stripped off. And you're standing in front of the class figuratively naked because you've received all this feedback, positive. And it was 30 people that different stages in your life that were asked to receive, give you three positive feedbacks and give you three negative feedback. Mm -hmm. And that negative feedback from 30 people, you're figuratively naked. And everybody sees you for exactly who you are and who you're not. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I remember going through that difficult operation and saying to myself, I'm never putting that armor on again, ever. This is who I am and let the chips fall where they may. So I think that's a great metaphor for all of us, that a lot of those things got stripped away from us from COVID. Let's not put it back on again. It was painful to get it off. Here we are. And now let's go forward authentically as who we are.
0: Beautiful, beautiful message and a a very optimistic way to think about the challenges we've been through the last year that we've been sort of, that armor has been taken off or we've been able to take it off with a little bit of time um, or it was maybe pressed off with the pressure. (laughs) But that's how a diamond is made, right? Exactly. Beautiful. Dr. Charlie, thank you once again for your amazing work. We're so grateful for your insight insights and um, we look forward to having you back in the future and seeing you in the founders first community until then so thanks so much everyone awesome thank you thank you for joining us at founders first this conversation continues in the founders first community search founders first community in the app store on your phone to learn how to prioritize your health and wellness to become more successful get your questions answered by top entrepreneurs and receive notifications about upcoming shows. Until next time, stay healthy, be at your best, go change the world.